there's always something to give him thanks for. Hallelujah. Well, that's, that's not just, you know, that's not just positive thinking or that's not, that's not just positive confession. That's the truth. Hallelujah. And so we began Thursday morning looking at the foundation of praise and worship, that it is, the, it, it is, it is founded on our faith and our trust and specifically in what Christ has done for us, who he is and what he's done for us at the cross and praise and worship and giving of thanks and giving him glory and honor is just simply the expression of that faith. It's just the expression, the manifestation of that love that we have for Jesus. That love that we have for what he did for us, the cross. And we looked at it in Revelation chapter 5 that, that the 24 elders in heaven, and one day you and I are going to be there. Hallelujah. It could be today, by the way. <laughs> the rapture could take place today. And you and I will take part in that worship that John saw in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. For you are slain and you have redeemed us by your blood. Wow. And so the worship is just simply that expression of this. And as we dealt with on Thursday and as well yesterday, the giving of thanks and the worship, the adoration, is the expected expression of our faith and love. In Psalm 33 and verse 1, we, we looked at that uh, on, on, on Thursday and also on Friday. It tells us in Psalm 33, 1, Rejoice in the Lord, all you righteous, for praise from the upright is comely, which means it's beautiful, but it also means it's appropriate. It is expected, it is fitting, meaning this, that if God's people don't praise him, it's wrong. It's a sin if we don't praise him. We've been given so much, and if we don't give him glory in return, not that it's some kind of works righteousness thing, it's not some brownie point system where God just, God just opened the door of salvation. We walk through, and when somebody opens the door for you, what do you say? Thank you. <laughs> and our life ought to be a life in which we're constantly saying, Lord, thank you. <laughs> Every day, Lord, I thank you. Hallelujah. When you're going to work in the morning, Lord, I thank you. <laughs> when you go to sleep at night, Lord, I thank you. It's just the expected and appropriate fitting response to all that God's done for us. And as, as I said, if we don't do that, it's a sin. Get that. It's, it's wrong in the eyes of God. It's that fitting response to the Lord. We saw yesterday that the, in the, that it concerns the manner of praise and worship. It's through the cross that we become a house of worship. It's through the cross that we become a house of worship. And Jesus said in John chapter 4, he said that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And as we dealt with yesterday, as it concerns the manner of praise and worship, it all begins in the spirit. The Jews and the, even the Samaritans, and get this, even many in the church today, limit praise and worship to just simply the outer expression of it, the ritual, and they make it a ritual. 
But Jesus said that true worshipers, because of his hour that was coming, which spoke of the cross, would worship him first in spirit, which meant that it would be from the heart, first and foremost, that God's not looking for us to go through some ritual. He's not looking for us to just go through some ceremony, that the cross did away with all the ritual. It did away with all the holy sites, which means that you don't have to wait to get to church to praise him. All this is is just a physical structure. It's all it is. It's not some holy site, even though I believe uh, that it's God's house. It's not wrong to call it God's house. But first and foremost, we are God's house. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And every moment of the day, we are to praise him, thank him, because we are, as the Old Testament temple was, we are a house of worship. Not just a house, we are the house of worship. As it concerns me, I don't have to look to you, or I don't have to depend upon you to worship the Lord. I got it myself. I'm a house of worship. Hallelujah. So we looked at that yesterday, and and something we didn't deal with yesterday, but in Acts chapter 2, when there was that rushing mighty wind, in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that rushing mighty wind that filled the house and we're all filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what that was? That was God breathing life into his body. No different from God breathing life into Adam. And he became a living soul. In Genesis chapter 2, in verse 7, and man, or the... the those that were there became a living house for the Lord. When the tongues of fire rested upon them, one of the, one of the things that that indicated was that, that, was, that God was saying here, I, that this is, you have my approval, or this is the approval, this is now my house. No different from 2 Chronicles chapter 7 when Solomon was dedicating the house of the Lord and the Bible says that fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. That was the outer physical sign of God's approval. This is my house. And in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, when the tongues of fire rested upon them, get this, a tongue of fire rested upon each one of the 120 or how many that were there, God was saying, I approve, that's my house, 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 that's my house. Today we're a house of worship. (laughs) We're a house of worship, a house of worship. In Romans chapter 12 and verse two, and you've heard this scripture before, but it's so powerful. In Romans 12 and verse 2, Paul said this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. That means through the cross of Jesus Christ as we live by faith in who he is and what he's done for us, I tell you, our life, is, a, is worship to him. Wow. And the Lord's been dealing with me about this for the last few days. And 
that our very life through the cross, that our very life, everything that we do, as we live by faith, as we live by dependence upon who he is and what he did for us at Calvary, our very life to him is, a, is one of worship, is one of praise to him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Every single one of us are a trophy of the grace of God. We're a trophy of the grace of God. And our life says to the world, and our life says to the devil, look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. A trophy. I'll tell you what, when when you get a trophy for something, you're proud of it. Hallelujah. And I think God's proud of his people, not because we did something, but because what Jesus did for us and what Jesus is doing in us and through us. Hallelujah. My Lord, that's good. Hallelujah. Let's have a word of prayer. I forgot to pray. I was so ready to get right into it, I forgot to pray. Father, today we just thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, we just ask you, Lord, to fill this house this morning with glory. That God, you would speak to us, Lord. That you'd make it real to us. Lord, just words being spoken doesn't do anything. But Lord, your word, anointed by your spirit, does everything, Lord. It changes everything. And I ask this morning, Lord, that you would just pierce our hearts. That you would speak to us, make it real to us, Lord. That when we leave this place, Lord, there would be impact in our life like we've never had before. To praise, to live a life that's glorifying to you. We thank you, Lord. And we say it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. As we looked at yesterday as well, it is God's intention. It's God's intention that the praise and the worship that begins in our spirit, that comes from our spirit, come out of our mouth. (laughs) That if you keep it on the inside, then that's wrong. But it is, it, is the ex, it is the normal expression, the normal biblical expression when God has done something good for us, for it to come out of our mouth. And you don't have to have a, a great voice. God's not looking for you to have a great, wonderful voice like one of these singers or be able to play a musician. He's just looking for you to express it. He said, the psalmist said in Psalm 63, three and four, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. My lips shall praise thee. Don't hold it in. Let it come out your mouth, hallelujah. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, Jesus said, and out of a good treasure, comes good things, he said. And if God's been good to you, I tell you, it doesn't matter what, 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 where you come from, it doesn't matter what race you are, it doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have, it doesn't matter what kind of home you live in, what kind of car you drive in, let it come out. Glory, hallelujah. I tell you, let it come out, let it come out of your mouth. He said, clap your hands, all ye people. He said, lift up holy hands. Those are all uh, biblical expressions of what's going on on the inside. Even we can dance before the Lord. 
And I know for some of us honkies that, that dancing before the Lord may be limited. This may be, this may be wild right here. This right here may be cutting loose. <laughs> I mean, just, oh, did you see so and so, man? <laughs> Woo, my Lord. <laughs> I mean, for some of us, I mean, that just may, oh, man, that, that's sending earthquakes in the spirit world right there. But hey, let it out. Hallelujah. Be free. There's no reason to fear. There's no reason to be concerned about what so-and-so thinks. You are worshiping before the Lord. You ain't worshiping for man. You ain't worshiping for somebody. You're not even worshiping so much for yourself. You're worshiping the Lord. It's just you and God. Hallelujah. Just you and God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I remember years ago... Um, it wasn't that many years ago. Some of you that have been here for a while, you might remember Brother J.H. Steele, a good friend of Brother Swagger, and he's now with the Lord now, but he would come, and toward the, toward the latter part of his life, he, would, he was one of our pastors here and ministered several times here at a family worship center. And this was probably, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago maybe, and he, ble- he used to bless me so much. Up here, when the Spirit of God, we're talking about a man that was, he was, he was up there in age. He, uh, I don't want to deal with age too much, but he was, he was up there. He was an older gentleman. I think he was probably in his 70s or something like that, but just an older gentleman. I tell you, when the Spirit of God would come upon him, this old man, I say that with respect, this old man, this elderly man would start going like this. <laughs> And start the Spirit of God, I tell you what, power began to flow through him, and he began to dance for the Lord. And I, as a young man, thought, Lord, I want that same freedom. <laughs> I want that same freedom. Hallelujah. Here's an old man, and here I am, a young man, and the Spirit of God is moving, and, his, and, and I can't even do, I, I, can't, even, I can't even be free enough to, 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 to have that kind of emotion. And man, you always used to bless me. But let it out, let it out, let it out. Hallelujah. Today we're going to deal with a subject that is very important, and that is the power of praise and worship. The power of praise and worship. What does God do for his people when out of a heart of faith and praise and worship they worship him. What does God do in response when his people, again, out of a heart of faith, out of a heart of love, they give him thanks, they praise him, and they worship him? What is God's response to that? Well, we see throughout the Bible, example after example after example after example, when out of a heart of faith, his people glorify him. His people praise him. Again, not out of works or not trying to earn something, not trying to merit something, but out of a, just a, that expression of faith, they, they give him glory. We see example after example in God's word of what God does when his people obey him in regards to praise and worship. 
I want you to turn to Psalm 22, if you would, in verse 3. Psalm 22 and verse 3. This is so critically important because as I've mentioned over the last, few, uh, last couple days, do you realize that in every great move of God, in every great moving and operation of the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit has always instigated praise and worship from his people. Every great move of God. I was just thinking about it this morning from the, from the Reformation period with Martin Luther and, and, and men like Ulrich Zwingli, John Huss, William Tyndale, these great men of God, great reformers of which you and I are recipients of what they did for God, of what, how God used them. We're recipients of it. But it was out of that reformation in reality that, pray, uh, that biblical praise and worship came. Worship was so it was dead, it was dry, it was formal. But it was through the Reformation that the, that the hymnal, hymnals came into being. Men like Charles Wesley came out of that movement. Charles Wesley, that wrote, that wrote hymns unto the Lord, and they weren't some dead, dry, formal thing. But if you, if you have ever sung from the hymnal, against hymnal, hymnal worship, or even other kind of worship, can't, cannot, every single one of it can be dead, dry, and formal if the motivation's wrong, if we, if we are dead, dry, and formal. But when there's a moving of the Holy Spirit, when there's an operation of the Holy Spirit, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, takes on a whole new meaning, and it came from that period. Hallelujah. You can sing amazing grace, and then you can sing amazing grace. Hallelujah. But it all came from that, the great Azusa Street revival, the great Welsh revival. All of it included a moving and operation of the Spirit that instigated praise. And I believe in our day today, in our time right now, that it's no different. Hallelujah. I said it's no different. I believe in this house in particular, in Family Worship Center, from this house, God's going to use praise and worship. He's already doing it. But Psalm 22 and verse 3, the Bible says that the Lord, but Lord, you are holy. You inhabit the praises of Israel. We've all heard of that expression before, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Well, this is, this is the, the, the verse where that comes from. But you are holy. You inhabit the praises of Israel. The word inhabit right there is from the Hebrew word yeshab, which means to sit down, to remain, or to make one's home. Get that. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. He sits down. He remains. He makes it one's home. And the idea idea is this, that when God's people, out of that heart of faith and love, and thankfulness to him, given the praise and worship that's worthy to his name, his manifest presence comes down and rests upon his people. Wow. Get that today. And you know, every single one of us have experienced that in this camp meeting. Beginning Wednesday night, 
When God, when we begin to worship the Lord and enter in, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, when we come before God, we want to come, we ought to come with that thankful heart, that praising heart, that worshiping heart. And as we did that Wednesday night, what happened? God inhabited the praises of his people. Hallelujah. He came down. I'm talking about his manifest presence, the presence that you can feel, that you can sense, that you can sense flowing through you. That at times we even put chill bumps on you. Hallelujah. Not that we're looking for the chill bump, not that, not that, that, that that's everything, but I tell you, you can feel the presence of God. And he said he inhabits. He comes down and he he rests and he makes his home in the praises of his people. That when God's people praise him and they worship him, watch out because God's coming. (laughs) You want to know where God's address is? God's address is wherever his people are praising him. Out of a heart of faith and love, that's where God makes his home. Oh, thank you, Lord. I tell you what, one of, the, one of the main characteristics, get this, one of the main characteristics of the Spirit-filled believer, that believer who's been baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and, 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 and hungers for the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit, one of the characteristics is that they will offer up praise and they will sense and they will, they will experience the manifest presence of an almighty God. Hallelujah. I know myself, I was raised in a Christian home, and, and for the most part, and, and what I'm about to say is not, uh, I'm not meaning it to be demeaning at all to the, to the Baptists at all, but uh, uh, because I thank God for my Baptist heritage. My mother is, with your, with your hand, mama, my mama's right here, and my, uh, my grandfather, her father was a Baptist minister for many, many years, and I thank God for that heritage. But I've been Baptist. And I've been Pentecostal. <laughs> and I, 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 like, I like it a whole lot better to be Pentecostal. And the reason why is because one of the characteristics, and my mom was Pentecostal, uh, one of the characteristics of the spirit-filled life, one of the characteristics of the book of Acts is the manifest presence of God filling the house. In Acts chapter 2, oh my Lord, when Acts chapter 2, as they were baptized with the Spirit, and then begin to speak with other tongues, I'm telling you what, the people, the multitude felt something. Oh, yes they did, they felt something. They didn't just hear something, they felt the presence of an almighty God. Oh, hallelujah. Because especially... When God's people who have been spirit-filled begin to give him glory, I tell you, they're ready for the moving and operation of the Spirit. They're hungering for it. They want it. Oh, one of the characteristics of of that spiritual life is is experiencing that manifest presence. I want you to go real quick, if you would, to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, chapter 5, if you would. Chapter 5 and verse 8, beginning with verse 18. The book of Ephesians, chapter 5 and verse 18. I want to show this to you 
from Scripture, Galatians, Ephesians, chapter 5, beginning with verse 18. Paul said, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Stop right there for a moment. Ephesians 5, 18, be not drunk with wine, which is excess or dissipation, it dissipates. But be filled and be refilled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, in the same context of that, he said, speaking to yourselves, or that is speaking to one another, in psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Wow. As Paul said here, one of the characteristics of a spirit-filled life is one that out of the heart, from the spirit in their heart, they're making a melody. There's a melody in your heart unto the Lord. And Paul said here to speak to each other with psalms, which speaks of Old Testament psalms. Hymns, which speaks of of songs of praise and worship that is composed by man, written by man. And even in our time, just, just singing a a song unto the Lord, and then spiritual songs, which speaks of spontaneous songs of worship that just rise up in your spirit. Hallelujah. He said, sing it, speaking to one another in hymns and, and, and psalms and spiritual songs, making a melody in your heart unto the Lord, giving thanks to God always for all things. My Lord. One of the characteristics of that spiritual life is giving the glory unto God and experiencing the inhabiting presence of an almighty God. Hallelujah. I tell you what, in these last days we're living in, we need this more than ever. Get this. We don't need some dead, dry, formal religion. We need the manifest presence of God to fill our life, to fill the house. Hallelujah. One of the, one of the, going back to Psalm 22 and verse 3 for a moment, one of the meanings of that word inhabits, that he inhabits the praises of Israel. He inhabits the praises of his people. One of the meanings of that word inhabit is that it means to be enthroned. He is enthroned. He sits on the throne in the praises of his people. And the idea is this, that when God's people praise him out of a heart of faith and and love, God not only comes down, but when he comes down, when his manifest presence comes, it's like him just coming and sitting on the throne right there in our midst. Hallelujah. God sits on the throne. He sits on the throne as king. He sits on the throne as judge. And it's like this. When God comes down as the king, as the judge, when his people praise him, God, it's like this. God's basically saying, whatever you have need of, I'm here to do it. Hallelujah. Why? Because I'm enthroned. I'm right here. I'm the king. Right now, whatever you have need of, here I am. I can do it for you. Oh, that's why it's so awesome. When the manifest presence of God comes down, people can be saved, people can be healed, 
People can be baptized with the Holy Spirit. God can perform miracles all at the same time. Why? It's because he is, he is enthroned. He's come down as the king. Hallelujah. That's why last night when Brother Swagger shared that testimony uh, uh, of that great evangelist, John Sales, at the great Cumberland Revival, he hadn't even gotten to where the revival was. <laughs> All he heard was a, a what? A roar. He thought it was a waterfall. But what was it? It was God's people giving him glory. And what happened? God was inhabiting the praises of his people. And John Sales hadn't even got there yet when God knocked him down off his horse. Sobered him up, convicted him, and he got saved right there in the forest as he was going towards the Cumberland Revival. My Lord, hallelujah. Oh, that's what we need today. That's what we so desperately need today, the manifest presence of an almighty God. Oh, Jesus, that's what we need. Because I tell you what, you and I have no idea the things that people are going through. Right now, as I look across the congregation, I have myself, I have no idea what you're going through, but the Lord does. He can see right through all the facade that we put on sometimes to to try to hold what we're going through. He can see right through it. He sees the pain. He sees the hurt. He sees the agony. He sees it all, and he's able to heal. And in his presence, God, again, can do absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. He can heal. He can restore. He can convict. Several years ago, there were several prophecies that went forth from right here, right here in front of the worship center that said as people would be driving by, driving by from the worship center right here on Blue Bonnet, as they would be driving by, that they would begin to sense the, the presence of God. And that the Holy Spirit would even pull them in and we've had testimonies here of exactly that happening people driving by and did just something just 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 you know something told them uh, you know I, I drive here I drive by here all the time but you know, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go check out what's going on here and they came in and you know what happened they got saved Hallelujah, that has happened. And you know what, in the days could come, I'm expecting more of that to happen. Hallelujah, as they're driving by, oh, as we're praising the Lord, let the Spirit of God arrest them. Oh, let let the Spirit of God arrest their soul. Hallelujah, glory, just like he did John Sayles. Let them arrest people in the name of Jesus. He's able to heal, he's able to save, he's able to restore the needs that you and I have need of today. There ain't nothing that God cannot do in his presence. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. He can heal nervous breakdowns. He'll give you peace in his presence. He'll give you joy. He'll give you rest in your spirit. Or I remember several weeks ago, just about maybe three or four weeks ago, in the Bible college, I I got to a point and I, I'm a teacher there at the Bible College, and I got to a point where I was just flat out tired. Like I, just, I, just, 
I, I mean, I was exhausted. My wife has not been able to teach this semester, and so I picked up her classes. <laughs> so I've been teaching about, I've been teaching six classes and then another ministry training, so really a total of seven classes I've been teaching. It's been tiring. I, I'm, not, I'm not giving you a pity party, all right? I'm just saying it's been tiring. And I got tired about three or four weeks ago. I was, getting ex- I was just really getting exhausted. And in a research and composition class, do we have any Bible college students here this morning? We do have a few. Research and composition class, all right? In that class, we learn about doing research papers, all right? It's not a very highly spiritual subject. We learn about doing word studies. We learn about how to study the Bible using the different rules of interpretation, using the tools of interpretation. We learn about all those different things. And, and it's not one of those, you know, like, Book of Acts. I'm going to the Book of Acts class. It's not like that. It's not like you, I'm going to the research and comm class. It's not like that. But as we began to open up that class in prayer, because we open up every class that we have with the time of prayer, and we take prayer requests, and we have testimonies. As we began to pray that morning, my Lord, the Spirit of God came into that room. Oh, and filled that room Oh, my Lord, (laughs) filled it. (laughs) If it was water, we were all drowned. (laughs) If his Holy Spirit was wind, all of us had just had our hair all messed up. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. The Spirit of God filled that room and touched every single student. Touched me. What was so amazing about it was this, because we've we've had many classes like that over the years. But what was so amazing about that was this, that when the Lord touched me that morning, (laughs) it wasn't like I didn't feel his physical hand on me, not like that. But when he touched me that morning, and I I left that class, it was like this. The the only way, the best way I can describe it is this. He gave me a vacation. (laughs) I've never never had him quite do that before for me, quite like that. In the presence of God, if you're tired, he'll give you strength. Even physical strength. Mental strength. Spiritual strength. He will strengthen you in his presence. There ain't nothing like being in the presence of God. And when he touched me, it was like God just gave me a vacation. When I left that classroom, I felt like I had just been on vacation, a good vacation, a real vacation. I felt refreshed. I felt like I had a skip in my, in my jump. Oh, my mind was refreshed. My heart was refreshed. I still had a whole lot of things to do. Oh, but I felt good now. Hallelujah. Oh, we need that. We have no idea what people are going through, but God does. Yashab, he inhabits the praises of his people. He's enthroned in the praises of his people. Go to the book of Acts, if you would. Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 22. One of the examples, one of the most powerful examples of what God does when out of a heart of faith and love, his people praise him. is found right here in Acts chapter 16. When Paul and Silas praised the Lord at midnight, but Acts 2 and beginning with verse, I'm sorry, Acts 16 beginning with verse 22, 
Luke writes and says, and the multitude rose up together against them. That was Paul and Silas. Paul, and, Paul had just cast a devil out of a girl. The spirit of divination, in the name of Jesus, I command thee, come out of her. And she was delivered. Well, her masters didn't like it too much because they were losing, losing money, losing a whole lot of money. And Paul, in the name of Jesus, just destroyed their business. <laughs> and out of a heart of greed, get that, out of a heart of greed, they were angry. And they, and they stirred up an angry mob against Paul and Silas. And that's what it means when it says, and a multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When we talk about beat them, it's very easy for us just to skip over that. But get this now. An angry mob physically beat Paul and Silas. It's bad when you get beat up by one person, but when you get beat up by a whole bunch of people, that's bad. Verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, get that. Again, we so easily just read over that. Stripes meant that they got scourged. The same type of scourging or a similar scourging that Jesus experienced in the crucifixion process. They stripped, they stripped them of their clothes and with a whip, one of the whips that was commonly used was the cat of nine tails, but they had other forms of torture. But they whipped Paul and Silas over a stump as they leaned over a stump with their hands and feet tied, they whipped them. They shredded their back and their torso, shredded it. And they cast them into the prison that is into the inner prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. The inner prison was the worst part of the prison. We have no idea what Paul and Silas went through that day. It was a glorious day, and at the same time, physically, it was a pretty rough day. It's a pretty rough day when in the name of Jesus, you do something great, God does something wonderful. Oh, my Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for setting that girl free. Thank you, Lord, for delivering her. Oh, God, she got saved today. Oh, thank you, Lord. But then all of a sudden, boom! And you become, you become persecuted. You become tortured. And Paul and Silas were thrown into that inner prison. The inner prison, again, was the worst part of the prison. It stank. The stench of rats and rat fetus, all that stuff was in that prison. There was no air circulation, so it stunk beyond what words can describe. It was the worst part of the prison. They had iron stocks upon their feet. But then it says in verse 25, and at midnight, <laughs> at midnight, I think the Holy Spirit there brought that word out for a reason. Because he could have just said, and Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises, but they said, at midnight, the darkest time of the night, one of the darkest times of the night, Paul and Silas has said they prayed and they sang praises unto God. Hallelujah. And A.T. Robertson, a, a Greek scholar, said that what those words mean is that they intertwine pray, prayer with praise. Prayer, praise, prayer, praise, prayer, praise. It was totally intertwined one with another. Petition 
glory, petition, glory, petition. Lord, I need you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I thank you. Intertwine it all together. And as Paul and Silas at midnight, they were out with, they were with their lips. They were letting it out. Hallelujah. They could have kept it on the inside. Oh, I hope nobody hears me. Oh, I don't want to get whipped again. Oh, I, oh, I don't want to, oh, oh, I don't want those big bad Romans to touch me no more. No. They let it out. And they prayed and they sang praises to God. Hallelujah. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need your help in this situation. Oh, but God, I thank you that you're able. Hallelujah. I think that their prayer and praise was similar to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they stood before Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar said, Who is the God that should deliver you out of my hand? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, our God is able. Hallelujah. Our God is able to deliver me, us from your hand. But even if he doesn't, we ain't going to bow before your idol. Hallelujah. Our God's able. Lord, we need your touch. And God, I believe that you're able. Lord, I thank you for saving me. But Lord, today we need you to move right now, God. We need you to move. We need you to touch us. We need your help in this situation, God. But Lord, I thank you. I believe that you're able. And it says they sang praises. And actually in the Greek, (coughs) the tense that's used, it means that they sang praises and prayed for actually for quite a while. It wasn't just a little... Two-minute outbursts. It was, they, they did it for a while. We have no idea how long, but it was an imperfect tense, meaning that the, they continually were given in praise, continually in prayer at midnight. The Bible, and you get this, get this as we deal with that statement, that, you know, in our times, in our life, that is, we're going to face midnight times. We're going to face times when we are going, when we are really going through it. When we feel like we are in a prison, in the inner prison, and the devil's coming against our mind, and he's attacking us, maybe even physically. Attacking attacking your finances, attacking your family, attacking your own body, attacking your spirit, and you feel like it's midnight, and you're in the prison. Well, the biblical example that the Holy Ghost has given us is that in that midnight hour, praise him, glorify him, Thank him, petition him, but yet praise him all at the same time. Oh, Paul and Silas could have complained. They could have got bitter, but they praised instead. Hallelujah. I tell, I tell you what, if you and I will praise him in our midnight hour, if you and I will praise him in our time of affliction, rather than get bitter, rather than complain, rather than murmur, I tell you what, the peace of God will come and guard, set a guard around your mind. Hallelujah. Oh, he'll set a guard around your mind when you give him thanks instead of complain. When you give him thanks instead of murmur. When you give him glory instead of gossip. Give him glory. And Paul and Silas, they prayed and they sang praises at midnight. And it says in verse 25, the end, and it says, and the prisoners heard them. The prisoners heard them. It's very easy for us to pass over that word heard, but it's interesting that in the Greek, that word heard is a, is a, is a very unique word. 
It's only used a couple times in the New Testament. But it means this, it implies this, that when they heard them, because they heard them, that it was a pleasant sound to them. The word, even in classical Greek, it was like a person sitting before or sitting in the audience and having an orchestra play for them. An orchestra play, and the sound is pleasant. The sound is relaxing. The sound brings peace. And when I said the sound, it wasn't just the physical sound, but it was the spirit. As Paul and Silas began to praise God in the midnight hour, in the inner prison. And what's awesome about this is God put them right in the place that when they sang praises, everybody could hear it. I know sometimes when we're going through a difficult, when we're going through a time of affliction, we think, Lord, I just want out of this situation. I want out. Where God's saying, you know what? Right here is where I can use you the most. You're right in the inner prison, but when you start praising me, that's when everybody can hear you. Hallelujah. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. They can observe your life right when you're in it. Just praise him. But he said and they heard him. It was a pleasant sound to them. And get this, these prisoners, who knows what they had been through? Who knows what they had done? But these were unsaved men for the, for the most part. These were criminals. Criminals, thieves, robbers, murderers that were in this prison. Many, most of them bound by the power of sin. But they heard a joyful sound that midnight. <laughs> Get this, you and I have no idea who's listening. I said, you and I have no idea who's listening. I said, you and I have no idea who's listening. But may we live our lives. God, help us, give us, Lord, give us your grace to live a life that the others around us can hear us. Not just physically with our mouth, but with our life, that our life is, a, is, a, is worship unto the Lord so that our life and even our lips and everything about us is a pleasant sound to those that are around us because we and I have no idea of those who are around us that are bound by sin, that are tormented by the devil. Wow, we have no idea. But they heard them. It's a joyful sound. The end result, verse, well, verse 26, it says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed when they praised him at midnight. Out of a heart of faith and love, God sent a shaking. He sent a shaking. Get that today. He sent a shaking. We've only got a few minutes left, but get this, when God's people praise him and the inhabiting presence of God comes down, I believe in the spirit there's a shaking that takes place. I tell you what, so many people need today what you and I need, what the church needs, what the world needs. We need a shaking in the spirit. A shaking needs to take place. Shaking, a shaking, an earthquake, a spiritual earthquake. <coughs> It says their bands were loose, but as the, story, as the passage goes on, it says that the jailer got saved and his whole family got saved. The jailer got saved and the whole family got saved. Why, 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 why? Because out of a heart of faith and love, Paul and Silas, they expressed their faith. They expressed their faith in worship and thanks and giving him glory 
right in the time when they should have been either sleeping or possibly complaining. They gave him the glory. I tell you what, today you and I have no idea what God can do when we give him the glory that's due unto his name. I want to close today and this series turning to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, if you would. The book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I wish we had more time to deal with this, but 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and beginning with verse 1. This is one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in all the Bible. And it is a perfect example of what God will do when his people praise him and give him glory and the thanks is due unto his name. But 2 Chronicles chapter 20, beginning with verse 1, and we'll read a, a little bit of scripture here. And it says, And it came to pass after this, the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other besides the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. What had happened was the children of Ammon, of Moab, and other nations mightier than Israel physically, they were coming against Israel. They were coming against Jehoshaphat. And they vastly outnumbered Israel. They vastly outnumbered them. But Jehoshaphat, a righteous righteous king, it tells us in verse 3 that he sought the Lord. Look at verse 14 now. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mattaniah, and Levi to the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all, Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Oh, hallelujah. Be not afraid. Take that word personally today. Be not afraid, nor be dismayed for the reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Stand ye still. Does that sound familiar? From yesterday, that word from the Lord? Stand ye still. And see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And look at this, verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. What was the immediate response? The immediate response of believing the Lord, believing God's word, was that Jehoshaphat got his face, his face to the ground. And it says all Judah really did the same exact thing in Jerusalem. They got their face to the ground, and they began to worship the Lord. They began to worship God. Why? It's because God said, in reality, I'll paraphrase here, the battle is already over. (laughs) 
Because the battle ain't yours, the battle is God's. And the only fight that they would have to fight was the fight of faith. Just believe me. And their response was one of worship. But look at chapter, verse 20, if you would. Verse 20, halfway through verse 20. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army, and to say, praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. (laughs) Oh, Jehoshaphat was led by the Holy Spirit. And he said, this is what I want done. I want every single one of us to just simply believe the Lord. Believe the word of the prophets. Believe, 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 believe. Have faith, trust, depend upon the word of God. Believe, believe, believe. And this is what I want to do too. You singers, he appointed singers. <laughs> you singers, get together. I want you to, all the singers, come on, come on. I'm not talking about you now. This is what he said. Come on, come on, come on to me. Come right here. Okay, singers, you're going first. <laughs> oh, 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 you, uh, you mean we're going before the army? Yes, you're going first. <laughs> well, 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 they, well, 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 they might kill us. Hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. Believe the Lord. The battle is not yours, but God's. Singers, you're going first. He said the singers went before the army. (laughs) And they sang praises. And when they went before the army, they said, Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And they said that over and over and over and over and over again. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Brother Swagger dealt with yesterday. Mercy is something we don't deserve. His mercy and his grace, but he gives it to us anyway. We don't want justice. We need mercy. And they said, praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And it says in verse 22, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! Oh, when they sang and began to sing praise unto the Lord, the Lord set ambushments. You know what an ambushment is? An ambush is something you don't expect. Oh, when those, well, an attack that you don't expect, when those armies of Ammon and Moab and the other nations came against Israel, you know what their expectation was? was? We're going to wipe these people, Israel, Judah, off the face of the map. They are our food. Let's go and take it. But when God's people began to praise the Lord, again, out of a heart of faith, a heart of love, because praise and worship, again, is just the expression of you just trusting God. Praise and worship is faith singing. 
Hallelujah. It's faith singing. And they began to praise and sing, and it says, the Lord set ambushments. <laughs> the enemy received, a, received an attack that they weren't expecting. I tell you, when you and I, God's people today, begin to praise and worship and lift him up, hallelujah, don't lift up the problem. In the midnight hour, worship him. When everything is terrible, I know this is easier said than done, but it's the truth. In our midnight hour, when we're in a time of affliction, praise him and give him thanks. And you know what the Lord will do? The Lord will set ambushments against the enemy. That cancer, that devil, that bill will will receive an unexpected blow from the Lord. Hallelujah, glory, hallelujah. The devil's thinking, the devil's thinking, oh, I'm having my way with this person. I'm having my way with this situation. Then all of a sudden, slap. The devil said, I didn't see that coming. But let, we, let us praise the Lord. Because it says, the Lord sent ambushments and they were smitten. It doesn't matter what the mountain is in front of us today. It doesn't matter, big, what, it doesn't matter how big it may seem, how big the mountain, how low the valley. God is able. I said, God's able. Just like he told Judah of old, believe the Lord. Believe the Lord. You shall not need to fight. Believe him. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. All we have to do is just simply believe, fight the fight of faith, and God will set ambushments against the enemy. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lord, right now, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, God, for these last three days that we've been able to get into your word in this tremendous subject, Lord. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would move us, oh God, that you would stir us up, God, your people, stir us up, God, to praise you and to give you thanks like we've never done before. God, we ask you to expand us. Lord, take us to a realm of praise and worship like we've never been before. Lord, help us not be intimidated, Lord, or fearful. But as you told your people long ago, Lord, help us to just believe you, to trust you. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, as we praise you and as we respond in worship, we just believe you, Lord, to set ambushments and to take care of any enemy that stands before our path. Hallelujah. Because, Lord, as you said, the battle is not ours, but the battle is yours. God, we thank you for that today. And we say it all in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen.